Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitsheno B'Mitzvotav Etzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week's Torah portion is a wonderful time to do a special kind of study where we look at Torah carefully and we notice what I think are some wild ideas about God. And it's also a great time to think about the question, where is Yeshua in the Torah? And we're going to start in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, with a passage that tells us about the God of truth and his chosen people, Israel. And I want you to remember that scripture doesn't idealize or gloss over all the difficulties. This is not some spiffed up, slick spin doctor's version that makes everything look good. It ain't always pretty, folks, as they say. Let's look at Numbers chapter 12, starting in verse 1, and many parts of the entire portion deal with some difficult times and um, quite challenging times. This one starts that way. Miriam and Aaron, these are the sister and the brother of Moses. They began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite, and some translations say Ethiopian. So we see there's uh, some racial tension here. Plus, there is some ugly talk from the, sim the siblings. And there it is right in front of us. And then it tells us a little bit about the ugly talk and um, how it's going at this moment, excuse me, as I'm adjusting uh, my monitor. Um, verse 2, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he spoken also through us? And the Lord heard this. Now let's think about two wild ideas about God that are mentioned here. The first one is that God speaks through people. That's what Moses um, is, is doing when he speaks uh, on behalf of the Lord. The Lord speaks to Moses. Moses speaks what the Lord tells him. And the question that uh, his brother and sister raises, hasn't God also spoken through us? So in any case, they're all saying God does speak through people. And then the last part of the verse, and the Lord heard this, heard what they said, it tells us something. And this is really quite a wild idea about God. It's that God hears people speak. So what makes it wild is the Torah is telling us that God is present in our physical world and that sounds and words um, come from the Lord and they come to the Lord. And that is a wild idea, I believe. And it's still provocative for many people. Verse 3 has this interesting statement. Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And remember this, humility is not weakness. It's a perspective that seeks the good of other people and uses one's own strength for the good of others, even when there's conflict. And humility does not 
mean. And meekness does not mean that we only talk in soft, measured voices and we're always gentle and we're sort of a gentle guru type of person. No, humility, as we, uh, as we discover, if you read earlier parts of this week's portion, which we're not going to cover, uh, humility can be being very strong in the face of conflict and difficulty, but using one's strength in order to do good for other people, even when it um, requires great strength and even some forcefulness. Let's go to four, verse four. And once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting all three of you. And so the three of them went out. So the Lord here spoke in such a way that three different people heard the same words and understood them and acted upon them. They heard the word of the Lord. And that's interesting because many times we think maybe of a, a spiritual only process that one person experiences and no one else does. But in this case, three people simultaneously um, hear the same thing from the Lord, and then they respond. They all go out at the same time. Now, verse five is is to me one of the one of the most interesting verses for people who have sort of an abstract or ethereal view of God, and they only think of God as being this invisible, intangible, um, way out there force. Verse five says this, and then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and he summoned Aaron and Miriam. So the Lord comes down. So he stands at a particular place and then he summons, he speaks in a commanding way to two people, Aaron and Miriam. He doesn't summon Moses, even though he's there. Um, he summons Aaron and Miriam, the ones who are in conflict. But the Lord comes down. So that tells us something that, that God is able to enter into our time and space world, our physical world. And he is able to um, be present at a place that can be described and recognized. That's what's happening here. And I think it's, it's provocative. I think it's interesting. I think it's thought provoking. And I think it's different than the way many people and much of modern Judaism thinks about God. If you were to ask many modern Jews today, can God come down from heaven and stand somewhere and be in that place and be experienced by just a couple of people? I think many people, many modern Jewish people would say, no, no, that's not really how we understand God. And yet this is the description of what happened according to the Torah. So if you think the Torah is true, then this is quite provocative. 
So it goes on and it says, when the two of them stepped forward, the two being Aaron and Miriam, the one who are speaking against Moses and against the wife of Moses, who is dark-skinned, as I understand. When the two of them stepped forward, the Lord said, listen to my words. And so now we've got something interesting happening. The Lord speaks, time is moving in the human dimension and the God and God, who we think of as being eternal, God is actually in the time space continuum. He's in the um, same flow of time that human beings can experience because he speaks, he pauses, the two people step forward, he says, listen to them, and they hear. And then he speaks some more. And so he's participating in real time. So this is what the Lord says to, to uh, Aaron and to Miriam. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. So visions and dreams, sort of a uh, another dimensional way of perceiving things. Uh, but then verse 7 says, but this isn't true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house, and with him I speak face to face. Clearly, not in riddles. And this is what I really want to underline. He sees the form of the Lord. And then he asks a question, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord is saying, I speak to a lot of people. I reveal myself to prophets in, in visions and in dreams and to many people who may hear the Lord or the word of the Lord. Good. But to Moses, I speak differently and I reveal myself differently. He Moses sees the form of the Lord, and why aren't you afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That ought to cause you, Aaron and Miriam, that ought to cause you to humble yourselves and be sober-minded and to be um, respectful of Moses because I treat him differently. Face to face, he sees the form of the Lord. Now, the form of the Lord uh, is, is the word uh, tamunah or tamunat, different ways, uh, different um, ways of expressing that same base word. And we see this in another place in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. It says, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness or a timunat of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. So don't make the form of what is in heaven. Don't make the form of the Lord. Don't make a physical form or representation. That's really interesting. Don't make for yourself an idol. Don't sculpt or cast an object don't sculpt in um, a, a sculpture that represents something that you would worship or adore. 
And don't make for yourself in any way a likeness, a physical form or representation of what's in heaven or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Don't make a form, don't make a tamunah to worship. Why? Because God has a tamunah and we're to worship him, not something we make. Now, here's one of the fun things to do is to build theology around such details. Here's the detail. God has a form. And even though many prophets never saw the form of the Lord, the Temunah of the Lord, Moses did. And this passage is telling us that. Now, a lot of modern Judaism is based on philosophical and religious ideas that would not agree with this passage, wouldn't agree with what it says and would try to explain it away. And the simple meaning and the simple understanding that we have, not just of Exodus 20 verse 4, but I'm talking about the earlier passage that we were reading in Numbers 12 that talks about the Lord coming down in a pillar of cloud and standing and summoning and speaking. And then he says, the Lord says that he reveals himself to Moses because Moses sees the form of the Lord, even though other people don't. Moses sees the form, the physical form of the Lord. Now, much of modern Judaism and, and much of modern religion, as well as many ancient religions and philosophies thought God was without form. Maimonides, the great Jewish philosopher would say that, but he was influenced by both um, earlier Greek philosophers and um, contemporaneous Islamic philosophers and ideas. So when Maimonides was thinking God was without form, it was very acceptable in his world. It just didn't agree with what the Torah says in the simplest form. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 12 is another passage that mentions um, the form of the Lord. It says, then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire, and you heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. You see, there is a form, and there is a time when the voice of the Lord can be heard without the form of the Lord being seen. It could happen to Moses, but what is so interesting is in this Numbers passage, in front of other people, God speaks to Aaron and speaks to Miriam, something that all of us need to hear, that Moses sees the form of the Lord. Moses sees the physical reality of God, the physical presence of God, and he sees something that others don't see. Now let's go to Philippians, a in, in the Britachanashah, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 7. And it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Messiah Yeshua, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant being made 
in human likeness. So he existed in the form of God, but he also existed in human likeness. It's so interesting to me. This is the explanation of um, who Yeshua is. And it helps us understand something about what Moses experienced. Moses experienced the God of Israel with physicality and temporality, even though he's eternal, he enters into the world as we know it, the physical and the time and space world. And he presents himself in a sense, you could say, that Moses could, saw, could see the, the form, the physicality and the incarnational reality the embodied possibility of God. Other people couldn't see it until Yeshua came down, who um, existed in the form of God and also was made in human likeness and integrated and unified those two things so that he could become our kinsman redeemer and he could become the savior of the world. Now, one more passage to go to, and I want to thank uh, Brian, uh, Brian Stone, our elder, uh, one of our long-term elders, who first introduced this idea and this passage to me and made it, I think, just very alive. In Luke 9, verse 28, it, it starts and says, about eight days after Yeshua said this, referring to uh, something else. He took Peter, John, and James, or Jacob, with him, and he went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And then verse 30. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Yeshua. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as the men were leaving Yeshua, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three Sukkot or shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he didn't really know what he was saying. Now here was Brian Stone's observation. This is the moment when Moses sets his feet down in the promised land. He had not entered before. Remember, Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness to the edge of the promised land, but he himself didn't go in. He died and the Lord buried him on, without Moses having gone into the promised land. But now at this moment, Moses, Moses is in the promised land. First steps in the promised land as I understand it. Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I've chosen. Listen 
to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Yeshua was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and they didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. So such connections between the other passage in this week's Torah portion that we were reading and the, uh, the cloud and the Lord and, and the voice in the cloud speaking and people hearing it and Moses being present, Elijah being present, um, Yeshua being present, the form of God being there. And uh, it's all like out of, out so far beyond people's imagination. And here's how the, the scripture says all that. The disciples kept this to themselves. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. They didn't tell anyone. It was too wild. It was unbelievable. But later they did. And not only that, it also <clears throat> was written down in these scriptures for us. So Moses had wild experiences with God and they were not always understandable to other people, but he wrote them down and the spirit of God inspired him what to put in, even if it was hard to understand or wouldn't be understood fully until later, or maybe not yet even the form of God. Where is Yeshua in the Torah? Well, he's in Numbers 20, or Numbers 12 rather, for sure. He's in the form of God, unifying the form of God in the form of man. He's present there. He is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. And he is God in humility, emptying himself, taking on humanity in order to show us things about himself and things about us that help us know how to live, how to think, and how to form our theology. Well, I want to ask you to pray with me about your theology and your understanding based on this. Lord, help us adjust our theology to your reality and to your revelation and help us, Lord, hold on to some of the wild ideas about you that we can read in the Torah and see confirmed and expressed in the Brit HaKadoshah. We ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And folks, would you pray with me also a little bit more? Lord, we thank you that this Sunday is Father's Day and Juneteenth converging together. We thank you for our fathers and you, we thank you, Lord, for the emancipation of uh, the slaves in America. And let it be, Lord, that, that we can rejoice in our freedom together and let our freedom, Lord, be celebrated. Let's also pray for the Corsian mothers. They will be coming to America this coming week, refugees from the war in Ukraine. Lord, thank you for their safety. Thank you for traveling mercies. Let this time of travel be filled with your grace in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. In a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? 
if this live stream is a blessing to you, if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. You can find it there. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you, protect you and guard you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us. Hope you can join us tomorrow for our live stream Shabbat service. Remember, it will be online only on Saturday because of COVID and we'll be back to the sanctuary and live stream next Saturday.